Here this morning, as we look to the Word of God, we're going to spend another Sunday on the promises of God. We're going to take a look at some things in the area of promises, because sometimes we have prayed the promises of God with no results. How many people are brave enough to say that I have prayed the promises of God in the past and did not get the results that I expected? Now, we've talked about some of the hindrances. We're going to go over some of those things, some of the same principles again, just in looking at different verses, different scriptures, but some of the ones, some other ones that you may not be as, as familiar with. Oh, but it's important that we understand how to pray the promises of God, because in the promises of God is everything that we need as we looked at it in the word of word of God. We know what God has. We know what God is willing to give, and we know what we have to do to receive it. And if we have those three ingredients, we can we can receive anything we need to from God. Last time we went over Second Peter chapter one, and we looked at a list of things that if we were to do them, that the word of God would not be unproductive. It said, but also for this very reason, giving all diligence out to your faith, virtue, to virtue, knowledge, to knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. And we went over all the different things about those words, what we were expected. If you weren't here for that, you can go back up on the internet, download that, look at the old Facebook post, whatever you want to do. You can see those things, but such an important list that we have. We need to keep that in front of us because if we grow in these things, he says in verse 8, for if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of God, our Lord Jesus Christ. You won't be unfruitful. And we also looked at the, the concept of other people, that sometimes we reject other people for the things that they, they are, things that they are not. We reject them for the broken pieces. It's like looking at the carton of egg, eggs and rejecting 11 because of the one that was broken. Rejecting 10 because of the, one that was, the two that were broken. So what have you done this week to remind you of these principles and to keep yourself growing in those things? I'd like to hear from you on that. But here, let's get into, the, into these things. We want to talk about that sometimes we take the promises of God and we pray them wrong. And when we pray them wrong, we can't get the right result. That's just, it's just, it's just not going to work. You got to pray them right. But we've been accustomed to doing something wrong for so many times that we think the wrong way is the right way. I want to take a, a look at scripture. This uh, particular one we're going to start off with, it may not apply to everyone, but it may have applied to you at some time. And it may still be applying to you now. But at least at some time, it applied to you. <laughs> so we're going to take a look at that particular area of Scripture. In um, Proverbs, the 18th chapter. Proverbs, the 18th chapter. We're going to take a look at this example of how to pray for a spouse. Because people that are single pray for spouses, right? Father God, I want a, I want a wife. We had a, we had a minister a couple that was uh, very close to us. And uh, the, the wife went on to be with the Lord. And not very long afterwards, the husband called us up and he was letting us know that he was getting remarried. I don't remember how long it was. It was like six months, a year. It wasn't that long. It was just we were kind of surprised. Wow, already. <laughs> and, and as he did, he, ex he uh, stated some scriptures to me when he was conveying this thing. He says, well, you know, uh, God made Eve for Adam because it was not good that a man be, man be alone. And the word of God says that a man who finds a, a wife finds a good thing. He started rattling these things off that uh, kind of God kind of expected him to get married. And he kind of expected God to have somebody for him to get married. And so that's just how it was. He's getting married. And as far as I know, everything was, was fine with that. And uh, never met the, the new wife. But uh, and I don't I don't bring that up because I think anything was wrong in that situation. I'm just bringing that up because sometimes our, our expectation isn't. And maybe if you're single, you have this expect, expectation that God, you don't raise your hand on this, but your inside hand, raise, this, raise it up. Do you think that God has someone for you? Do you think that in the word of God that is promised of you that you will have a spouse? See, now you're thinking about it. Before you would have just said yes. <laughs> But I want, to, I want to take you to a verse of scripture that sometimes we use for this, that uh, we've, we've read it wrong. We don't have to get into the Hebrew. 
it's very clear that we read it wrong. Here it is. Proverbs 18, verse 22. He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. Now, we sometimes look at that and we get the idea that God has a wife for every man. That God, when he was making everybody, decided there's this wife, there's this husband. This is how it's going to go down. And these guys are going to come together. And I don't care if they don't like each other. They're going to get married. And sometimes we can get into that, that frame of mind. But um, have I got your attention? But it said there, let's read it again. And let's just take a look. He who finds a wife finds a good thing. Now, isn't, that the, isn't the word telling us that the, a wife is a good thing? Now, earlier on in his words, it's not here in this chapter, but if you go back about six chapters, you will find out he, said, he calls it a good wife. How many of y'all know there's some wives out there that are not good? Beside that, there's some husbands that aren't good either. But the Bible right now is talking about wives, so that's why we're talking about wives, all right? <laughs> if it had said husbands, we wouldn't have been talking about that. But you can be a bad husband, you can be a bad wife. You can serve. Just because you're a wife doesn't mean you're good. There's a good wife and there's not. We want to be on the side that's, that's, that's good. In fact, some translations render it an excellent wife. But let's go back to this. He who finds a wife finds a good thing. Now, I want to draw your attention to one particular verse in there or one particular word in that verse. It has probably come to your attention now that you've read it three or four times. He who finds. Does not that imply that there is some work on your part to find it? And that if it is not found, who is to blame? <laughs> is there anything in that verse that gives you the idea that God has found your wife for you and has set her aside? And when he is good and ready, he will bring her along your path. It's not in there, is it? But you see, sometimes we've read it this way and we've prayed this way. Father God, I thank you that you have a wife for me. I thank you that it's a good wife. I thank you that you are raising her up to be strong, that she will be a good helpmate for me. And we pray all these kind of things and they sound good. Folks, they're not scriptural. Word of God right there says, he who what? All right. Now, how do you know if you found a good wife? How is it that we can go to the grocery store and we can pick out a good carton of eggs and discern it from a bad carton of eggs. But we can't figure out a good wife. How is that possible? How is it that you can go sit down at a restaurant today? How many people are going out to a restaurant after church? All right, I appreciate both of you. <laughs> going out to the restaurant today, you sit down, you open up the menu, and you look at the menu, and you determine what is Good, right? I mean, if you go out with your, your, your family, if you go out with other people, and somebody, inevitably, somebody's going to, my wife is one of those people. She will inevitably say to me one time, we're sitting there looking at the menu, she says, what are you going to get? Or what looks good to you? Right? That's what we're, that's what we're doing. Now, I don't know why, because what looks good to me doesn't always look good to her. You know, I've, I've mentioned to you a time or two, about my love for avocados. My wife detests them. <laughs> she hates them. As much as she likes vegetables, she does not like that one. <laughs> New avocados for her. So I get them all. So, um, you know, I could look at, oh, I'm going to look at the avocado burger. She goes, ew. I don't like that. Or the guacamole burger. Oh. Because we can t I know what looks good. Now, I can look down the menu, and I can pick out, oh, you might like this. And, uh, and, and she did. I one time, we, she sent me off to the restaurant to get something for lunch. Uh, this is years ago. I don't even know if they make the sandwich any, anymore. But um, she said, just get me whatever looks good to you. And so I did. <laughs> and so I was looking over the things, and they had this particular sandwich. They called, They had a name for it, Godfather. I don't know. It was some kind of Italian name. It's an Italian restaurant. It was some kind of Italian name on this thing. And they put everything on that sandwich that I detested. 
Every, I mean, fresh mozzarella. I do not eat fresh mozzarella. I don't, I don't know why people do that, but I do not eat fresh mozzarella. If you put fresh mozzarella in my face to eat, I will hand it to my wife. She just goes right over to there because I won't touch it. But I, I don't, you say, you just haven't had it right. I don't care. I don't like fresh mozzarella. But she does. So they had this on the sandwich. They had uh, Italian uh, meats and some onions and some tomatoes and some fresh mozzarella. And I don't know what all else was on there. But all this stuff, I says, man, that's got my wife's name written all over it. And so I brought one on home for her. And she says, this sandwich was fantastic. Where did you get it? <laughs> I've been back there a few times. I still haven't seen it on the menu. I would have brought it home for her again. But, um, you know, it didn't look good to me, but it looked good to her. And that's out there, too, with, with husbands and wives. I mean, you may look at some people and say, oh, I found myself a good wife. And you may look at her and say, really? You don't say that out loud. <laughs> you, may, you may think that, but you don't say that out loud. We'd, uh, we don't want to do that, do that quite. But this is what it says. He who finds a wife finds a good thing. Finds a good thing. Now, you do have to make sure it's a good wife, and it's a good wife for you. But he says, finds it. That means that there's some things you can do to discover it. It does not mean that you as a man have to learn how to find a woman. We can tell where they are. Really? Oh, that's a woman over there. <laughs> right? I mean, it's, it's pretty easy. You can, tell, you can tell people pretty much by their hair. It used to be easier, but you can still usually tell. Whether, uh, you know, man or woman. I, mean, I know it's getting clouded a little bit in, in there, but, but generally, I mean, if you're going on down the street and you see somebody with their pants falling down, you know it's not a woman. That is a man, a boy, something. <laughs> a stupid one. I don't know why in the world you want to walk around with your pants falling down, but some guys like to do that. We used to take pride in keeping our pants up. Women, if you find a man, their pants are falling down, that's probably not a good one. Stay away. Don't, don't need to get involved there. He who finds a wife finds a good thing. So there's a looking that goes on. There's a finding that, that happens in, in there. One of, whenever I've done a wedding, one of the quotes I like to bring out and every so often is uh, one by Zig Ziglar. He comes out and he says, uh, and I'm paraphrasing this, the way he said it was far better, but I didn't write it down and bring it on in here. But he said, finding the right person to marry has more to do with being the right person. I'll tell you what, that's, a, that's some good advice. Sometimes we think, well, it didn't work out. I didn't find the right one. No, a lot of times you just weren't the right one. If you are not the right person, then it doesn't matter who you get connected with. It isn't going to work. You got to make sure that you are the right person. But have here... Finding the right person. Sometimes we think that this is automatic. That God just says, all right, this person over here is going to marry this one over here, even if this person is obnoxious, rude, and nasty. And that's not so. Because there's some things, folks, that you've got to do to make yourself presentable. I mean, we all, we all know this. You know, when the, when the young boys are young, how many of you remember? Moms, how many of you remember? Having a hard time getting them to take a shower. I mean, when they're real, real little, they, they like the water. But then something happens to boys when they grow up and they stop liking the water, at least in the bathtub or the shower. They just, they don't like it. It's, it's hard to get them. How many gone through that? Little boy. Girls, not so much. But the boys, it's tough. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, they go in and get the shower all by themselves. Why do they do that? Now, if you're a mom or dad and you see that and you hear that shower going on and there's no no reason for that shower to have gone on, no one said anything about it, what's the first thought that comes to your mind? Who is she? You know a girl is involved here somewhere. Somehow a girl's involved because the, the boy realized if I smell nice, she'll want to hang around me a little bit better. If I don't smell good, she's probably not going to hang around. So we learned that right off the bat that one of the things you got to do is to be the right person is smell good. And so we try and make sure that we take care of smelling good. And, and now make sure that once you get married that you can still keep focusing on that because it still will help you out. <laughs> you want to make sure that you smell good. 
But you see, this is what happens. Emotions often enter our prayers, even without us realizing it. And our emotions got involved, and we became so much enraptured with our emotions for this thing that God, oh, you know, I'm so lonely. I so much need a spouse. I so much need someone to... I, I need to find that special someone. That one that you have, and our emotions start getting involved. I know that God loves me so much. He has got somebody out there. I got news for you, folks. There is nothing in the Word of God that says there is only one person made for you. Nothing in the Word of God about it at all. There is no miracle that you happen to have found a wife. That's not a miracle. It happens all the time. A miracle is something that doesn't happen all that often. Or you go against the forces of nature to make it happen. You don't have to go against the forces of nature to make that happen. It does happen. Now, you can continue to pray for a spouse, for your, your kids and so forth. And you can pray good things. Father God, I thank you that as he was looking around, that his eyes are drawn to that woman whose nature is like yours, whose heart is after yours. I just pray, Father, that his eyes are just drawn to that type of a woman. And you can pray those kind of things. But you know what, folks? He's going to find that wife himself. Just like that girl is going to find her husband. But you've got to find it. Now, God gives us all kinds of things in the Word of God to look at and to check out and to see what kind of things should be on the list. What kind of things should, should, I, should I be looking for? We're not going to spend time going on over all those things, but they're in there and you can find them out. And if you find somebody and they, well, they don't have this. Well, they're not having this. You know, pretty soon our emotions get involved and our loneliness takes over and pretty soon our checklist becomes, I'm happy if he has one of those things on there. Just, just if he has one, I'll be happy. And see, because our emotions got involved. But we sometimes think that, well, it's up to God. God has somebody for me. It's up to them to bring them along. And that's not the case. Now God can be involved. Father God, I thank you that my steps are ordered of you. I thank you that you guide me into the places that I need to be guided to. And some of those places, you're going to have me meet people that are beneficial for my career, you know, that are beneficial for me personally. You're going to have me bring, come, upon, come upon people. And so because of that, you make sure that you are always pleasant. Well, you see, if you do what the Word of God says, you're always pleasant. If you disobey the Word of God, you become unpleasant. You become nasty. You become rude. People don't like to hang out with rude people. I made a little list here. This is not an all-inclusive list. I just wrote down some things. And I'm, I'm passing them off here. You could add other things to this. But here's some things to do if you want to, you know, and these are good things if you want to have a spouse, if you want to have friends. If you want to have other people in your life, these are good things to, to do. So here's a list. If this is something you desire, and not all do, understand that not everybody has to get married. I mean, according to Paul... You're all better off if you don't. Now, Paul is very clear. This is my opinion. This is not God telling you. This is just my opinion. My opinion is you all ought to stay single. <laughs> but uh, he says, you don't have to do it that way. That's just me. All right. First off, be joyful. Be joyful because people like to be around folks that are joyful. They do not like to be around people that are not. So be joyful. If you, now, if you do what the Word of God says, aren't you always joyful? People like to be around joyful people. Here's another one. This is a hard one for some people. But you can do it. Be interesting. Be interesting. Now, you all know exactly what I mean in this because every time that you're out there watching the Hallmark movie. And you know, all the Hallmark movies start off with the girl. She's with the wrong guy. And they have the conversation... They have the conversation with, uh, with each other. And you know, when they're having dinner and they're having the conversation, you know the guy is what? Not interesting. In fact, he is boring. He's boring you. It was written that way. You, it was written so that you don't like this guy. That's how it was written. You're going right along the plan. I won, for just one time, I want to like the villain. You know, I just want to, oh, I like that villain. That's a good villain. The closest villain that ever got me in the ballpark of liking them didn't. But the closest one is the mother untangled. 
How many have not seen Tangled? Maybe say. All right, go out there and watch that. I'll tell you. The best cartoon movie ever made. That's just my opinion. Like Paul. I didn't get this from God. But I can sit down and watch Tangled any day of the week. Frozen, I am definitely tired of. Nemo, yeah, did that on time. But Tangled, my granddaughter says, she told me she was watching it the other day. I said, you watched it without me? I was, I was generally upset. And she apologized. She said, I'll watch it again with you, Papa. <laughs> Love that movie, Tangled. It's a, it's a, but that, that the, whoever played the mom, I mean, she knocked that role out of the park. Wow, she was good. She was, she was good. I mean, you definitely didn't like her. But you definitely you didn't like her like, man, you did a good job. <laughs> At least I did. She was, uh, she was really, really good at that. But be interesting. Because here's how people uh, get, lose interest in you and don't call back. How, we all know why people don't call back for the second date, right? Because you were boring. Because you talked about yourself. Because you didn't ask questions about them. Whatever it might be. Those are the kind of things that go on. How many saw the movie, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days? Fantastic theme on that movie. That was a great movie because it was a chick flick and a guy film all in the same one. And they just kind of merged them together. You know, there's parts in there where the guys are saying, yeah, 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 yeah. And parts in there where the girls are saying, oh, I like that for you. <laughs> kind of just brought us all in there together. But that was, uh, it was well done. But um, boy, they, they go out there and they try and, I'm going to do all the mistakes the girls do to drive this guy away. And the guy wasn't going away because, of course, he had the bet that he was, so he was forced to stay in even though he didn't want to. And she can't figure out, why is he still sticking around? <laughs> I did all the things you're not supposed to do. But one of the things that you, you can do, folks, if you just want to have friends, not even just be a, a, a spouse, be interesting. Talk about things that they like to talk about. Listen to what they have to say. Don't just talk about yourself. Don't just talk about your problems. One of the most boring things you can have in a conversation is when the other person talks about their problems the entire time. I mean, it's one thing if they talk about their successes. That's, that's a little bit better. But if all they talk about is their problems, man, that'll get boring real fast. And you're looking for that. Uh, what do they, what do they, the girls have that, you know, call me up 15 minutes into the date because if it's no good, I want to have a way to get out. You know, oh, my mom's in a hospital. I'm sorry, I have to go. Be joyful, be interesting, be content. That's in the word of God. We're going to go over that scripture in just a minute. Be content. Stop being needy. Needy people, people don't want to be around them. They don't want to be around needy people. They want to be around people that are content. Uncontented people, I need something from you. I need you to call me. I need you to text me. I need you to, whatever it is. And once it's, it's put on you, you're not doing this because you want to. You're doing it because you have to, because that's what they're requiring of you. It's no longer fun. Be content. Be unselfish. Be unselfish. Do we really need to explain that? We've got a lot more to get over here. I don't want to spend too much time on this list. Be somewhere in between obsessed and self-dependent. Be somewhere in between. Right, if you are obsessed with a person after you met them... And you're calling them all the time and you're texting them all the time. And I didn't hear from you yesterday. I thought something might be wrong. Warning bells go off in the other person. Get away. Get away fast. Don't be around this. You don't need to do that. But you see, if you're a contented person, if you're a joyful person, you don't need to be that needy. Don't be obsessed with them. Be obsessed with God if you're going to be obsessed anywhere. And uh, don't be so self-dependent. They don't think, well, they don't need me at all. That's not good. Galatians 6, verse 9. And let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Don't lose heart, folks. Keep on going. Now, sometimes we do. See, this is what the devil loves to get us to do. He's going to get you sold on this thing. God has somebody for you. God has put somebody in this world, and it's just for you. And you've been going on and going on and waiting and waiting. It hasn't happened. It hasn't happened. And then the devil begins to say, see, God doesn't really love you. Oh, you're just, you're never going to find that person. Why in the world are you continuing to hope? Why in the world are you continuing? And he gets you discouraged. 
And if you can get you discouraged on this, you can get you discouraged on other things. Just be content. Folks, if you're single, be content. If you're married, be content. That's what Paul came out there and said. Folks, if you're married, <laughs> be glad that you're married and be content in it. If you're single, ah, be content in being single. If you can learn to be content in whatever state that you're in, as Paul said, whatever state I'm in, they're in to be content. If you can learn to do that as Paul did, people will like to be around you. Because people like to be around content folks, not needy ones. You all know this. How many have people over at work that are very needy? You get in the office at 9.05, you're supposed to be in there at 9. And here comes your coworker. Where were you? I had the worst thing that happened to me last night, and I had to tell you about it. How come you weren't here before? What do you want to do? You want to get away. I'm sorry, but I got in late. I have to get some work done. And then you want to make excuses to to get away because you don't want to hear about all that. Don't be needy. Don't get in that. Understand, folks, if you keep doing what God says to do, This is a promise from the Word of God. This is a promise. It's written right there. And let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. So keep doing the good things you're doing. Don't lose heart. Your harvest will come in. That's in the Word of God. That's a promise. All right. Let's go on with this. I put this in the... the, Yeah, I put it in your outline. This is from Maslow. I had to look him up. I know I knew the name. But uh, I don't think he's anything real spiritual, but he said something good. If the only tool you have in your toolkit is a hammer, it's amazing how much everything looks like a nail. Now, here's why I put this in there. If the only thing that you are looking for in life is a husband, if the only thing you're looking for in life is a wife, pretty soon everything looks like a wife. Pretty soon everything looks like a husband. And you begin to treat them, even though you just met them, you begin to treat them as a wife or a husband. And that's not a good thing to do. We had this problem down at Rama. We had a lot of single people down at Rama. A lot of single guys, a lot of single girls. And what would happen? And this happened to the girls and this happened to the guys. They would see somebody across the way. And they would get in their spirit because that's what they would call it. They would get in their spirit, I'm going to marry that girl. And they would have a good confession. I confess, I'm going to marry that one. What's her name? I don't know. But I'm going to marry her. Don't you think you ought to know her name first? Don't you think I'm going to have a conversation with her? No, I don't need that. God told me I'm going to marry her. <laughs> this would go on. This went on a lot. Folks, this went on so much they had to address it. Because you see, you're teaching faith principles to somebody. This is something I want in faith. By golly, I can confess it in. (laughs) No, you can't. You can't quite do that. You can't cause somebody else to marry. I I think I told you the story. I had somebody who did that to me. I don't know why I'm not that good looking of a guy. But um, I had somebody, they they just were desperate. Very, very, very desperate. I mean, very, very, very desperate. I mean, you have to be to do that. And they were convinced, absolutely convinced, that I was the one. I was not convinced. In fact, I was convinced on something else completely. I think it culminated when they ducked into my office one time, poked her head in and said, uh, hi. She said, uh, when are we going to get married? And I said, as far as I know, we're not. Okay. And close the door. There were other things far more um, obnoxious. We'll just put it to you that way. That uh, these things went on. But don't be that way. Because even if you're thinking about it, that will drive you away from thinking about it. We don't need to, we don't need to do that. I'll put this in your outline for you. When I need something, it seems everything in God's word tells me what I want to hear about that need. When people want a husband or wife or it can be anything else, it seems like everything in the Word is telling them what they ought to do, how they ought to confess, how God has arranged this, all these kind of things, even though the Word of God has not actually said it. It's amazing that when the only thing we have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Don't let that be. First off, get more tools in your toolbox. 
Don't just go out there with a hammer. And uh, things will work a whole lot better for you. All right, let's move on to something else here. Because I know we don't have a whole lot of single people here. And if you're married, you ought not to be thinking about finding another spouse. <laughs> what you ought to do is be thinking about how to be the right person. That's what you ought to do. All right, let's take a look at this. How many people have ever been depressed? Don't raise your hand. Just, you know, inside. Ever been depressed? So we're going to give you some examples of prayers people pray when depressed. Now, this is how most people, not, well, this is how some Christians pray when they're depressed. Oh, God, I'm, I'm so depressed. I'm so down. I don't know what to do. I don't know if I can go on. Oh, it's so hard. I have no idea what it is that's, that's uh, fumbling over here. But something sure is. Try and get that noise to stop for you. And we, we pray, how, you know, tell God, we want to tell God how bad it is for us. How, how lonely we are, how depressed we are, whatever it might be. We want to go, because God doesn't know. Because obviously, if God knew, he would have done something about it. But I'm so, I'm so down, I'm so lonely. Nobody cares about me. My life is coming to an end. It seems like everything I touch fails. And these are legitimate things that we feel. I don't, I don't want to downplay any of these things because these are things we can actually feel and they can bring us to that point. But what we do is we take all those things and we bring them into our prayers. We're not praying the promise, we're praying the problem. And I pray all these different things. God, I'm lonely. God, I'm this, oh, it's, it's so bad. It's so, it's so hard. But that's not how we, we ought to pray. Luke chapter 4, verse 18 says this. This is Jesus speaking. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. So look at what the Spirit of God has empowered him to do. The anointing is on his life to do what? He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. If you are in a depressed mode, do you not think that one of these things, at least one of these things that Jesus is called to do, that is anointed to do, would minister to you? So Jesus is anointed to minister to you in that area. He's anointed to do it. Well, if he's anointed to do this kind of thing, then he's the, he's the guy who can help you out. So how should we pray with this thing? Let's take a look at one more verse of scripture here. Not that I speak in regard, Philippians 4, verse 11. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. And there's our content verse. I know how to be abased. I know how to abound everywhere and in all things. I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Nevertheless, you have done well that you shared in my distress. So he writes this part because... They had taken up an offering, sent it on out there to him to help out and minister to a need that he had. And he says, now, look, I was in need and you guys came and your, your offering really helped me out in that need spot. But what I want you to let you know is even in need, I'm content. Things are okay. Even when things abound, I'm content. I didn't need this from you because I was discontented and this, this helped bring me out of depression or this helped bring me out of it. No, he says... I've learned how to deal with, with having nothing. I've learned how to, how to deal with having an abundance. It's not for my sake. It's for the kingdom's sake. It's for the gospel's sake. I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Most Christians have not learned this. We know how, to, at least we think, we know how to function in abundance. But how to function in need, we haven't learned that yet. Because I begin to, some Christians, not anyone here in particular, but some Christians would begin to think, if I have a need, oh, God's got to take care of this right away. This is not good. I have a need. No. It's, a, it's all right. Paul, guy who wrote so much of the doctrine for us of the church age, He's the one writing there to you. He says, I've, I've been in places where I've been in need. I've had lack on some things. But 
I was content. Because I know, no matter what, I've got everything I need for today. And I'm going to get by. And I'm going to make it. And I know how to function when things abound. This is, this is going to be okay. Turn over to Philippians chapter 1 verse 6. Pull that up on the screen for us if you, if you would. Being confident of this very thing that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Being confident in this very thing that what Jesus Christ began in you, he is going to complete it. He will complete it. He will get this thing done. Now, I don't know about you, but one of the things that I am fascinated with on the Internet is the ability to see uh, buildings that are abandoned. Anybody ever got into that? I, I started years ago. I found this um, photo layout of this guy who went through uh, Detroit. And he did, took photographs. It's, it's a book called The Ruins of Detroit. Wonderful book just to, just to look through. Just, and he, he saw magnificent structures, theaters, terminals, buildings. Just, I mean, we're not talking about little rinky-dink houses here. We're talking huge places, factories, big, that were left abandoned. And that got me started into looking at them. And I, I found another book that had the, the uh, ruins of New York City. That around New York City are all kinds of things that are just left in ruins. There's an entire island that is left in ruins in that area. And I was going through the pictures and seeing the things that were uh, with that. And then as, a, as a, we keep on going through, I found some pictures of these huge buildings that were never completed. And now they had gone into decay and nature had taken back over. Just left to nothing. They're never, never completed. High rises. Big structures. Never finished. But understand this. What God has started in you, He's going to finish. One of the reasons that we fall into depression is because we get sold on the idea that what has begun in us will not be completed. That somehow, I made mistakes. Somehow, I didn't take the right steps. Somehow, I didn't do the right thing and God cannot finish what he started in me. That's what the enemy wants to bring to you. But what this verse tells us is, he who has begun a good work in you will complete it. He will complete it. It doesn't matter how old. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter what steps that you take. It doesn't matter if you miss God. God still says, I can complete it. Because we've got people in the word of God who miss God and God still got in there and completed what they started. God can complete what you got. Let's take a look at another one. Psalm 34 and verse 17. Psalm 34 and verse 17. The righteous cry out and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. Huh. Why do people get depressed? I'll put it to you this way. Is it possible to be depressed without trouble? I mean, the reason you get depressed is because of the trouble. And the trouble became greater than your joy. So you got depressed. The righteous cry out and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. Go on to the next verse. What is it? Psalm 107 verse 13. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble and he saved them out of their distresses. He saved them out of their distresses. Trouble and distress. Yeah, there's some, some things. Psalm 9 and verse 9. Pull that up. The Lord also will be a refuge for the oppressed, a refuge in times of trouble. That's a promise from God, isn't it? The Lord will also be a refuge for the oppressed, a refuge in times of trouble. One more, Isaiah 41 and verse 10. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. He says, fear not. Is it possible... To be depressed without giving in to fear. I, I don't know of any way to give in to being depressed and not giving in to fear. Because you become fearful of something. Fearful you'll always stay in the state that you're in. Fearful that it's going to come to an end. Fearful that something is going to be lost. Somehow you become fearful. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. 
I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. So we just looked at a few scriptures. You can look at some more. But these are all promises of God. So when you go and you pray to God and you are experiencing depression, I'm not telling you to just deny it. I am not depressed. No, it's not going to help you out. It's, um, you got to get in there. You got you to do something to take care of it, right? You can't just uh, go around. I am not depressed. I am happy. <laughs> it's like that commercial they have on TV. You know, they have a little mask, a little smile face on the thing, put the, put the mask up. Yeah, I'm not depressed. See, I'm smiling. <laughs> no, it's not about denying it. It's about going to, going to the Lord. It even says, cry out to the Lord. You, you can go to the Lord. Father God, I'm depressed. I am down. But you see how you pray from there will change what goes on in the future. Because what most people do is we cry out to the Lord and all we do is cry out. All we do is boo-hoo to God. All we do is tell God how bad it is. God knows how bad it is. He knows what you're involved with. He knows what's going on. He knows what people have done to you. He knows what expectations have been let down. He knows all that. He's God. Nothing goes on without Him seeing. So when you go to God and you pray, Father God, these things that people are doing, Father God, these situations that I'm in, they are getting the better of me. I know that they should not get the better of me, but man, they are getting the better of me. And I'm just feeling under all these circumstances right now. But I thank you that your word is greater than what I feel. I thank you that your promises are greater. And you just begin to pray the promises. And what the, God has promised. Well, I don't feel like doing that. Well, then that's your problem. You do what you feel, not what you know. That's why we're entitled to this, pray what you know. Most people pray what they feel. Don't pray what you feel. Pray what you know. What do you know from the word of God? And you go out there and you, you grab hold of these these things, and you say, God, you said in your word that you would strengthen me. It said that you would help me. It said that you would uphold me. That's what you said in your word. I thank you, Father, that you will do what you said in your word. And I'm going out there today in your strength. I'm going out there today with your wisdom. I'm going out there today with your joy. I'm not going out there with these other things. And then the enemy is going to come. Just know you, go, you have put a target on your back. The enemy is going to say, oh, we got to get this because they got the word in them. We got to get rid of the word. And so they're going to come and attack the seed just like they did in the sower, parable of the sower. And just know those attacks are coming. What was the first attack? What was the second attack? What was the third attack? Those attacks are coming to you. Don't give into it. Don't let him steal it. Don't let him pepper you with persecution. Don't let him... Uh, put the tears and don't, don't let all those things come in. Hang on to No, no, I'm going to stay with the word of God. I'm going to pray what the word of God said. I don't feel like praying what the word of God says, but I'm going to go out there and I'm going to do it. It's just like, just like this. How many got involved in an exercise program? And there were days you didn't feel like doing it. Come on, be honest with you. There are days you didn't feel like doing it. I don't feel like going out there, but you got yourself out there. You pushed yourself out got yourself out. Wasn't there a bit of victory just for the fact that you went out? How many people can, can attest there was victory because you went out? Yeah, there was victory in that. I mean, maybe it wasn't the best workout, but wasn't there victory? <laughs> it's good. There's there's victory in this. Come on, because you, you, you overcame some stuff. You didn't necessarily have to get the benefit of that workout. What you got was, I didn't give in to my feelings. That's what you got to do in your prayer time. Don't give in to your feelings, folks. Pray what you know. Don't pray what you feel. Pray what you know. You can tell God how you feel. Word of God said in there, cry out. All right? Start off that way. Father God, oh man, this is awful. But you already know that. But I thank you that this is what you said in your word. That your joy is even for me who feels depressed. I thank you that your joy is mine. Let's look over another, another principle right here. In James chapter 4, verse 7. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Let me ask you this question. You get inside hands. You don't have to raise your outside hands. But how many times have you ever felt like you resisted the devil and he didn't flee? I mean, I've been there. I feel like I, I stood against the devil. I felt like I resisted the devil. I don't feel like he went anywhere. He's still here. Right? That's not such a good place. 
Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Now, if I'm not having success and the enemy continues to bother me, I can conclude something here. First off, I can conclude that it doesn't work. Could you not come to that conclusion? And we may laugh about it, but many people have, even some sitting in this room. We've come to the conclusion that I know God promised that, but I don't think it works. So that's one conclusion we come to. Here's another one. I can conclude that I didn't submit. Right? Because there's two things we've got to do. First off, submit to God. Secondly, resist the devil. And he will flee from you. So, we can conclude, I didn't do something. How many lost power when we had that storm? Yeah, we have a generator. The last time we pulled that generator out and got it going was when we had uh, used it over here for the um, Easter egg hunt. It's the last time it was used. Put it away. I don't pull that thing out. It is a chore to get that sucker out. Because it's buried, and I keep it covered so that the sawdust in the shop doesn't get all over it. And so I have to uncover it and pull it out from where it is, because I can't have it in my way all the time, because I don't use it all that much. So once the power went out, and looked like it was staying out, I went out and I started doing all the stuff, pulling this thing out, getting it on out there. And this is a, you know, this blizzard going on right now. And you can't run these things inside, so you have to take it outside. So we took this thing outside and uh, we put it over uh, under the overhang in the, in the house. Now, one of the things you are not supposed to do is start these things inside, start them in the garage or put them on an overhang. My wife even was asking about that. I said, can you do that with the overhang? I said, yes, you can. Because if, you know, it's, it's done for stupid people to, to do that. Now, the reason I say that is because all you have to do is figure out what's going on in your house, whether you, know, you can put that thing under the overpa- overhang or not. It's real simple. I was taking my running buddy out, and we were going, we were talking about generators and stuff, and I was showing him, see that house? Don't put it under that overhang. And you see that house? Put it under the overhang. It's fine. See that house? Don't put it under the overhang. You'll kill you. Now, that house would be fine. And so I was trying to show him the, the differences. The difference is this. If your overhang in your house has access to the attic, it will eventually have access to the house, and it will take the fumes from the generator and bring them into the house. If the overhang has no access to the house, but comes up against the house and stops, then no matter what gets in the overhang, it can't get into the house. Can you see that? Now, I could figure that out just by looking at it. When they say, don't put it under overhang, oh, you mean this kind of overhang. And you see, our garage has that kind of overhang that if it was under the, the garage overhang, it would come right into the house. But our front door, it's a porch overhang. It just covers the porch area doesn't go in the house we set it up underneath there so i got a little bit of protection from the i just said that to tell you the situation we were in and starting this up so i got that we got gas in it but the, you know it was blowing so i'm starting this thing on slippery stuff because there's snow and ice and everything on there and you got to really pull it i mean it's a generator you got to really pull it it's not a lawnmower folks this is a generator this is bigger and you got to really pull this thing to go, and, but you have no footing. And so my feet keep slipping out from me, and I'm still trying to pull this thing and get it going, and it's not going. It's not going. Ah, we got to get this going. If we're going to get this going, everything falls apart. This is the generator we got. We need to get this going. All right. <laughs> you almost just want to say, in the name of Jesus. <laughs> just pulling that thing and pulling that thing and pulling. I pulled until I couldn't pull anymore. And I went back inside. I had to, I had to warm up because my hands are getting cold because the wind's blowing and the snow and the... And it's just terrible conditions and just trying to pull this thing. It's not going. It's not going. I came in, warmed up by the fireplace a little bit, got my breath a little bit, went back out, pull, 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 pull. Nothing's going. Nothing's happening. It's just not. And you can get discouraged. How many of you know you can get discouraged? This thing's not going to go. <laughs> no, this thing is going to go. I need it to go. It has got to go. So we, we got back on out there and pulling and pulling and pulling and pulling. And I says, man, that's. And there's no button to push to get the, to suck up the gas. You know how they have those things? You push them three times and it sucks up to get no button there. Nothing like that. So <sighs> pulling, pulling, pulling. Is the switch on? Yeah, the switch is still on. All right. Everything seems to be fine. It's just not turning over. Father God, I need wisdom. I know this thing is going to go. This thing is, I'm, I'm not being discouraged. See, I'm keeping myself going in there because it's hard 
out there in the cold, wind blowing, snow blowing, just nasty conditions, to still stay out there and want to keep pulling this thing. You know, I could go over there and say, ask my wife to do it, but that wasn't going to work. She, a, she had a short shoulder as it was. This thing was a, it was a beast. So I get out there again, and my eyes are drawn to this one little tube. I know I've taken that tube, and I know I've loosened it before, but I went ahead and loosened it some more because it's where the air comes in. I know to make sure that sucker is loose. I know I had it loose before, but I said, let's just make it more loose. So I made it more loose than what it was, and I pulled some more. And it took about four or five times, and finally the thing chugged a little. It didn't turn over, but it chugged a little bit. It's like, Lord, i got to get a chug. <laughs> this, is, this is good. This is encouraging. And so we got it finally going in and started to go. But you see, if I let myself just get discouraged, and you just quit. If I let myself and just say, well, God, is up to you. Make this thing start. That isn't going to happen either. Because God doesn't pull ripcords. I do know that. He does not pull ripcords. That's your job. Just like he doesn't find you a wife. It's your job. So I got out there and pulled it and the thing started up and we had, we had uh, energy. We were able to do stuff, get things moving, put the uh, fireplace fan on, heated up the whole house. We were in good shape. Don't get discouraged. Because you see, stuff will come at you. Just because there's snow and wind and ice and other things like that, you got to keep, keep going. God never said that when you start a generator that you would do it in nice 70-degree days. Because most times we don't need generators when it's 70 degrees out and nice and sunny. We need them when there's storms going on. We need them when things aren't quite as, as right. Folks, when you need these prayers, things are probably not going right in your life. And you're going to be, it's going to be a little bit taxing on you. Don't pray what you feel. Pray what you know. You pray what you know, you'll have success. Stay with it. Don't you quit it. The enemy wants to get you to quit. Here's some last things for you to write down. Oh, we didn't finish this part. Did I submit? Would be one. Maybe that I didn't resist. Now, just because you submit, just because you view yourself as submitting to God, just because I view myself, I pulled the ripcord. I did all the right things. I did everything correctly and it's not starting. Apparently not. Because it didn't start. Right? I mean, generators don't say, I don't like you today. You have pushed me away back in storage for the last year. And I am mad with you. Now you pull me out and now you want me to do something. That, generators don't do that. They are not capable of those kind of feelings. But I may begin to think, I submitted all I should. I resisted all that I should. No. What you call resistance, God say, that's not resistance. That's not what I say to do to resist. What you call submission, God may say, that's not submission. That's doing what you want to do when you want to do it. I got to go back to God and say, God, did I submit to you the way that you want me to submit? Did I resist the devil the way you want me to resist the devil? And God can come back and say, you didn't resist anything. What you're doing isn't resisting. Now, we don't have time to go over all that. We've done it in the past. We'll probably do it again in the future. But if you need wisdom on that, just, just understand this. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. If you do those two things, the third thing will happen. If the third thing hasn't happened, somehow you missed it on the first two. God has not missed it. Somehow we have missed it on the first two. Just because that generator isn't going doesn't mean that I did everything right. Obviously, something is not wrong to make this generator not go. And, and we couldn't find that. I was even thinking, maybe if I get some starter fluid and sprayed that in, that would probably help it out. Maybe something in there is clogged. Or I was thinking all kinds of things. I went out and back and got my starter fluid can. It's empty. Nothing in it. I cannot go out now and get starter fluid. It's too late. <laughs> but see, just because I think I did everything right doesn't mean that I did. You got to get with God. God, did I do everything right? Did I do everything the way that you need me to do? Because when I come to that verse, and if the devil is not fleeing, somehow I'm not either resisting or I'm not submitting to the level that I need to do it. I, th I forget who, who said this. Rick Renner either said this or Brother Creflo Dollar said it. That when two spiritual forces meet, the one who is the most submitted wins. Took me a little while to ponder on that for a while. I, I spent a while pondering on that. When two spiritual forces meet, 
the one who is the most submitted wins. Have you ever heard of people that are submitted to the devil's kingdom? Witches, stuff like that. And they seem to have victory over the church. That's what they were using as an example. The one who's the most submitted wins. You know, there are some people who are more submitted to the devil than Christians are to God. All right, you can ponder on that for a little bit if you want to. Now, the enemy of our faith wants to wear down your faith by, first off, altering your focus from what God said. Has God really said? That's one of the things he wants to do, alter your focus from what God said. Has God really said that? God certainly, he has a spouse for you. You know God has a spouse for you. You know that God has set somebody aside for you. You know before the foundations of the earth was made, your wife was made, your husband was made, he's getting you to change your focus from what the word of God says. No, the word of God said, find yourself a good wife. It means you need to be looking and you need to make sure that you're the right kind of person. Someone that would attract them. Altering your focus from what God said. Secondly, and changing your expectations of what God promised. If he can get those two things going, either will be able to bring you down, but he's happy if he gets one. But sometimes he gets two. You either alter your focus from what God said or change your expectations of what God promised. And if he can do any of those two things, folks, he can neutralize the promise of God in your life. Don't let him do it. Now understand this. God has, has not grown tired of you. Lamentations 22, verse 23. Though the Lord's, or through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Every morning you wake up, God starts out with a whole new set of mercies for you. Every morning you wake up, he's not mindful. Of all the things you did to aggravate them yesterday. His mercies are not burned up. He's got plenty of them. How many of you ever heard this phrase before? You are working on my last nerve. (laughs) God doesn't have one of those. Isaiah 54.10 For the mountains shall depart and the hills be removed, but my kindness shall not depart from you, nor shall my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord who has mercy on you. For the mountains shall depart and the hills be removed, but my kindness shall not depart from you. Isn't that a great promise from God? Nor shall my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord, who has mercy on you. These are the kind of things you can bring in to your prayers. There was an author. Um, I'm not familiar with him. Some of you might be. Rudyard Kipling. He wrote this, if you don't get what you want, it is a sign either that you did not seriously want it or that you tried to bargain over the price. I thought that's pretty good. (laughs) You know, sometimes Christians, we don't want to pay the price of what God said. If you do this, I don't want to pay that price. Well, then you don't get it. If you don't get what you want, it's either a sign that you did not seriously want it or that you tried to bargain over the price. Proverbs 12.25, anxiety in the heart of man causes depression, but a good word makes it glad. King James translates anxiety heaviness. The New Century Version puts it this way, worry is a heavy load, but a kind word cheers you up. Yeah, those things are heavy. Those things are hard to, to carry around. You don't need to. Let them go. See, when you pray the promises of God, folks, go back to the promise. Read what it says. Do exactly what it says. Believe what God said is coming about. Understand the enemy is going to try and get your focus off of what God has actually said. He's going to try and change your expectations that you expect God to do something he didn't say he would do. You see, if you make yourself into a very unlikable person, even when you meet the right person who could work for you, they could be repulsed by how obnoxious you are. You don't need that. Be the right person. Always be the right person. Well, God, if I would have known that that was my husband, if I would have known that was my wife, I would have done... No, don't don't be doing that. This is the person you need to be all the time. And if you're that person all the time, people are going to come around you. Good people. Would you all stand up with me? Glory to God. Father, we thank you. 
that you are here, that you love us, that you have compassion on us, that your mercies are new every morning, that you have not tired of us, no matter how many times we have failed in the past. Every morning that we wake up, you are ready to hit the ground running and to take us into a good place. The, the enemy wants to sell us on a different view. He wants to make us think that you're tired of all the failure. That you're tired of all the complaints. You're tired of this, that, or the other thing. That you've given up. But Father, you never give up hope that we would come around to your plan. I thank you for it. Every person in this room, every single one, we have not burned up the mercies of God. There's still more out there. And every morning we wake up, those mercies are brand new. Because that's the God we serve. Father, you do have a plan for us. You do have a way for us to go. The enemy wants to get us to focus on the things that we don't have yet. And our contentment is locked up in those things. But it's not so with you. Our contentment is based on what's on the inside of us. The God that's on the inside of us. And not the things that we have. Thank you we can learn as Paul did to be content in all states. Whether we have a lot or whether we have little. Whether we have abundance or whether we have need. Our God is all we need for contentment. Whatever it is, Father, that we think that your word has promised us. That we think your word has said is ours. We need to go back and look at it again and just refresh ourselves and let you speak to us. Because sometimes we've been expecting something that you never promised. We focused on something you never said to and we've left behind the important things that you said. It's what the enemy tries to do. But we don't let him, we don't have to let them be successful. We give you the praise and the glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Glory to God. Before we go, we just had a couple of, of uh, praise, report, uh, praise report and a prayer request in case anyone else had any. Uh, praise report from, from Ray. I thank God that this week a person... A personal hurt from my past was brought to light and that hurt was dispelled. Lightning in my heart and spirit, I am grateful for his loving um, patience with me. Glory to God. Alexis has a prayer request. I take my CFP exam on Friday. I've been told and in the past years accepted that I have, have test-taking anxiety. Not this year. I'm standing on Philippians 4, 6 and thanking the Lord for getting me to this point. I will not be nervous or anxious. And I will be able to execute beyond my own expectations. And that the peace of God, which has left for us, will remain with me. Asking that I'll stand in agreement with me. Absolutely. Come on up. We'll lay hands on you for this one. Absolutely. Good to, good to know. Let's all stand up again. In the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you that there is no form of anxiety that should be part of our life. And the enemy is not going to sell us in the fact that this is just a natural product in our life. Glory to God. The peace of God is a natural product in, life, in our life because of our faith and our confidence in you. So in the name of Jesus, no anxiety comes upon this mind and this body. In Jesus' name, she is at peace. And everything that she is attentive to and, and studying, I thank you, Father, that it just comes to mind. And she's just relaxed, goes in with a confidence that comes from you. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Glory to God. Thank what time on Friday? 9 a.m. 9 a.m. Everybody write that down. Put it in your calendar. <laughs> and when you, you pray, don't play, pray, and, you know, oh, God, please do this. No, we already know God did it. Father God, I just thank you for the peace of God that is all over her, yeah. all over, that's working on her. Father God, I just thank you that answer after answer just keeps coming to her. That's how you pray for these kind of things. You don't need to beg God. To, we're not all praying for people because all of us begging God together. He'll just say, oh, we make those people shut up. Just do the thing. That's not the kind of God that we serve, folks. We serve a God who loves us. 
who wants good things for us. Glory to God. Wednesday, we have service here. We're going to be on Hebrews chapter 8. I saw earlier in the week they had this huge uh, nor'easter coming in for Tuesday night into Thursday. Uh, right now, I don't see anything on the on the, the the deal at all, so maybe they have moved it further south. I don't know. Just keep an eye on Facebook. We'll send you out text to the people who come. If you don't come, you don't get a text, but you can check out on Facebook. I mean, why should I text people who don't show up? <laughs> I text people who, who usually come out on Wednesday night. We send them a text that is going on or not. Because I don't want to bother everybody with a text message. And then the rest of them, we put it up on Facebook. So the people who are tuning in on Facebook, you all know what's going on on there. So we'll let you know if that's going on. But um, right now, I don't see anything coming in for Wednesday at all. So we're planning on, on that going on. So Because this Wednesday, we would have Wednesday night service. Next week, I don't think we're having Wednesday night service because we have a Friday service. Uh, good Friday service we'll have going on there. So we probably won't be having the Wednesday night service then. So bless some people before you go. I think that's all we have on the on the announcements and all that. And uh, I have a, a meeting to have to do probably in about 30 minutes, but I'm going to hang out by the door for a little, at least a little bit anyway.